Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. While it does that, uh, you can call me Matt the Baptist. I uh, happen to be at a Baptist church now. I don't eat locusts. But I'm going to try some, and I'll let you know how that goes when I do. So, uh, but I mean, many of you will know me. I, I mean, I was, I was here, right, working under Aaron and working with Kathy. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I love you guys. I just want you to know that, you know, just, I just love you guys. Oh, thanks. Thanks. There is a slideshow. That's okay. Okay. Well, worst case scenario, if you have a Bible, basically, my slideshow is a collection of texts with no pictures that are like, tick, tick, tick. because what's going to happen is I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming into uh, one of the parts of Galatians that maybe isn't, uh, isn't really a whole lot of fun. I, I was telling Aaron, I was like, okay, I was like, I think I'm going to hit um, the fruit of the Spirit, because I thought I could make it through three verses before I got to the fruit of the Spirit, but we're not quite going to make it there. So we're, we're getting caught in the part right before, and if you're not sure what that is, you'll find out very shortly. I promise you, but maybe just let me, let me set it up for you a little bit, right? So Galatians chapter 5, it starts with this, for freedom, Christ has set you free. And we could talk a lot about all of these. So he starts there, and then he starts talking about, okay, and freedom, this is how freedom applies to circumcision. I mean, believe me, if you were considering circumcision, this was very relevant to you, whether you were going to get this done or not. And then he moves on from there, right? Verses 7 to 12. Uh, what's happening in Galatia? The letter's written. There's churches all throughout Galatia. Paul had gone through. He'd seen lots of success, lots of fruit. This was beautiful, right? He had good friends, and the churches were growing, and he was, he was really encouraged by this. But things started to turn sour. These teachers were coming into the Galatian churches, and they were stirring up controversy and strife and division, and they were teaching against Paul. And so what ended up happening is these things that were once beautiful now started to sour. These things that were once beautiful uh, pictures of this is what it is to be in fellowship together, this is what it is to love one another, this is what it is to grow together, took a turn for the worse. And there was now backbiting, there was now destruction and a lot of it at the hands of these teachers who were just stirring strife and division. And he says in uh, the verses 7 to 12, he says, these people, they're going to answer for the discord and for the division that they've sowed. Um, if you're tracking with me, verses 13 to 15, um, he's going to go on to talk about this concept of the flesh and the spirit. And he kind of sets up this dichotomy and he says, when you walk in the flesh, this is where it leads you. So walk in the Spirit. The freedom that we have, don't use that for the flesh. Use our freedom to love one another, not to wreak havoc and to bring destruction. Then you reach 16 to 18, right? This is probably the most famous, right? This walk in the Spirit. It's Paul pleading with them, right? Walk in the Spirit. It's in the Spirit that you find true freedom. And uh, today he's going to outline some of the details on a more practical level. So this, this idea, right? So verse 16, this idea, walk in the spirit, it says, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Oh, ta-da, it worked. Okay, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he's talked about this just kind of philosophically, right? He's talked about the flesh and this concept of the flesh. And he's talked about the spirit and what does that mean? And what are you, what are you talking about, Paul? And he says, 
This is what I mean. And so today what he's going to do is he's going to drag us into the practical details. He's going to say, this is what the flesh does. And in this is a plea, right? Leave this behind. So here, let me read for you where we're going. Ta-da! Okay, super happy, high note, fun time. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. And then focus on these ones. Hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so we're on a particularly light note right here in Galatians, right? Paul is saying, this flesh thing I've been talking about, this is what it looks like. This is what we ought to avoid. This is what independence from God, independence from goodness, this is what it looks like when it's fully grown. This is what the death and destruction of walking in the flesh, this is where it leads. This is what it accomplishes. And so he's been outlining the flesh versus this idea of the spirit, right? The flesh, what does he mean when he says that? This is what it is to walk independent of God. This is to walk in the part of the self that is focused on the self. The part of the self that doesn't really know what love is and doesn't really want to know. The part of the self that doesn't know what truth is, that doesn't know what goodness is. It just, it's self-oriented and it just wants itself. And on the other side is this walk in the spirit piece, right? To walk in the spirit. What's that mean? This means to invite the spirit of God to transform our very nature, more than just behavior, but to transform what we love, right? Making us a people that love what is good, a people that hate what is evil, a people that love God and neighbor above all things. It involves this confessing that we are broken. It involves this uncomfortable fact of we are part of the problem and saying, but Jesus I know and I trust that you haven't given up on me. I want you and I need you. Please help me. Help me to love and walk with you, God. Help me to love truth. Help me to love goodness. Help me to love justice despite my temptation to not do that thing. Help me to love my neighbor as myself. Uh, And so we're going to look closer at the text, but before we get here, right, just to reiterate, in the background, what's happening? Paul is talking to his friends, the Galatians, who are fighting each other, who have divided into groups, and they're destroying one another. And he's saying, guys, walk in the Spirit. He lays out before them, look, he he vomits up. This is the ugliness of the flesh. This is where what you are doing leads This is the darkness that we are barreling towards if we don't turn away from it. This is what we are giving birth to when we walk in the flesh and not the spirit. In any moment, a choice not to walk in the spirit is not a neutral choice. It's something that brings us closer to the brink. Every act in the flesh produces a darkness and something corrosive. On that happy note, notice that all of these things, they aren't just acts. In here, some of these are attitudes. 
And these attitudes are just as much a part of what Paul calls the flesh as these actions, right? There's attitudes and approaches, and both of these are just as much a part of the problem. Implicit in this is the idea that attitude and action are connected. A poisonous attitude against a person or a group will turn into poisonous actions against a person or a group. It's not just the actions that we have to guard against. We have to guard against it on an attitude level. And before we even get there, we need to guard on a what is it that we love level. Okay, so unpleasant as it is, we're about to take a little bit closer of a look at this list, okay? This is a list of the acts of the flesh nature. So this is the practical, right? This is the answer to the question of, Paul, what are you talking about? When you talk about the works of the flesh and you talk about the spirit, what, what do you mean? Like, get more specific. Get out of the, like, philosophical and drag it into reality. And he says, this, okay, let's do that. And so notice here. So there's three words to start, right? Three words to start uh, that pertain to human sexuality. And so he says sexual immorality, impurity, which would be unnatural sexual practice, debauchery, which is this like uncontrolled, unbounded sexuality. It's like you being controlled by sexuality instead of it being something that you control. So there's three there. Okay, now there's two words. And I think it's important how many words belong to each category. So there's three there that have to do with sexuality. There's two here that have to do with uh, religion. So you have idolatry and you have witchcraft. Okay, and then you get to this category. Okay, and it's in this category that there's eight words. And these words are about how the flesh destroys and disintegrates social relationships. So here we go. Uh, And just keep in mind the background of the book, right? I think, and the reason why I think there's eight words here is I think this is really Paul's thrust. Um, His focus is these churches have split into factions and they are fighting each other. And so the first four here are attitudes. There's selfish ambition. This competitiveness, this self-seeking motive, right? You're not interested in the kingdom of God. We're not interested in loving other people. I, it's, it's I am going to prove my superiority over this other person. It's envy, which is coveting. It's, it's desiring what others have from a place of discontentment. I don't like what I have. I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want what's yours. Um, there's jealousy, which is also uh, I want what's yours. But it's, it's the desire to possess, maybe for power or maybe for status. There's hatred, uh, the opposite of love, right? This hostility, this adversarial attitude. And then there's four words that describe the result of these attitudes. Where do these attitudes lead? What do these attitudes result in? Why should we not do this? It ends in discord, this being argumentative, right? This desire to, to pick fights, the opposite of unity. Fits of rage, outbursts of anger, dissensions, these deep, almost unfathomable divides that exist between people. And it ends in factions, permanent parties, and warring groups. Happy, happy fun time. Okay. And then we're going to end on, there's, there's two more here, drunkenness, and it says orgies. And these orgies, they're not sexual in nature. It means more like drunken orgies. And I think what he's trying to say here is one of the works of the flesh is this addiction to pleasure over everything else. Addiction to pleasure instead of truth. Pleasure instead of goodness. Pleasure instead of justice. Pleasure instead of love. Okay. And at the end, right, he hits 21, and he now has a stark warning for those who live like this. And I think this is a warning directed at those who live thoroughly out of this place, 
right? Those who live out of this place in the flesh nature, those people who live in these things, those people who choose these things, those people who don't see anything wrong with these things, those who give birth to the anger and the dissension and the darkness, he says, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what does he mean when he says that, right? I thought everyone was invited. And everyone is invited, right? For God so loved the world. What Paul is talking about is those people whose lives are marked by the habitual practice and the lack of remorse of these things that are mentioned. This is not something infrequent that someone then realizes what they've done and they say, God, forgive me, a sinner. And they go to the person that they hurt and they said, I was wrong, right? This is different. This is a habitual, constant. This is those who give birth to these things, those who spout these things, those who create these things. And there is no remorse in their heart. Paul says, They do not have a place in the kingdom of God. They're invited to, but they choose to walk in the flesh. Someone who continues to indulge this flesh nature, right, without fighting against it, shows essentially that the Son has not set them free. They don't want to be free. They don't want to be renewed. They've decided decided on hatred over and against love and truth and justice and all these other things. They have no lasting interest in beauty and goodness, and so no interest in anything that is of God. And what is Paul trying to do here, right? Like, nice list, Paul. Why did you, like, hello, dear, dear Aaron. I just thought I'd throw this in here. Uh, I think what he's doing, I think he's, he's trying to persuade them, right? He's, he's not looking to undermine their assurance or to make them question things. He just, he's looking to banish complacency. And I think that applies for us too. I think he's asking us to look at our lives with serious reflection because good trees bear good fruit. And Jesus will say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is inside of us makes its way out. And I think there's this question that hangs over his readers and us, right? Are these things in the list, are they regularly present in our life? Because if they are regular and they're there, we may be walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. Okay, so what? And I've forgotten. I even forgot my slideshow is here. All four slides. Boom, see? So what does this mean for us? Right? How does this passage apply? Nice passage, man. What are we, what are we doing here? One of the things that Paul is saying, I think, is this. Or, or let, me, let me summarize this up. Right? So walking apart from the Spirit of God, this is where it will take us practically, right? This makes me think of James. James 1.15 says, Sin, when it is fully, bro- fully grown, it gives birth to death. It gives birth to darkness. If we let the flesh fester, this is where it takes us. This is the fruit of that. The fruit of that is immorality and idolatry and enmity and strife and jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, Drunkenness and a desire for pleasure more than a desire for truth, more than a desire for goodness. This leads us into, Paul is saying, this leads us into bondage. This leads us into death. And that is death that takes place in our daily lives. But this is also death that affects more than just us individually. This is death that affects our society. This is death that affects our church, our community. This is death that affects us over there at the Baptist church and here and the presence of the kingdom of God here in Carlton Place. This is death and darkness that affects our country and where we live. And if we follow this, this will lead us to a place of death and darkness as we run from the spirit of God. 
So the first point, I guess I went a little bit early. The first point I want to drag out of this is uh, what we do matters here and now. What we do has a very real impact on ourselves. And it has a very real impact on this side of heaven in the here and now. Sin, independence from God, walking in the flesh. It doesn't just affect us. It affects the kingdom of God. It affects the community in which we live. It affects us as a church. It affects our town. It affects our country. And when we act in the flesh, we sow the seeds of enmity. We sow the seeds of strife. We sow the seeds of jealousy and anger and dissension and division. The things that we do, the things that we say, the way that we approach each other, they really do matter. Proverbs says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. With our words and our deeds, we sow the seeds of faith, hope, and love, or strife and anger and division. And we ought to be conscious of this because we will reap what it is that we sow. And the second part that I want to drag out of this is going to be we must remove the, the plank, which is basically, let me explain what I mean, right? Um, you, sh- you could look at this list and you notice uh, some of these sins, uh, you, you kind of have your religious people, and some of these sins are characteristic of religious people. Selfishness and envy and jealousy and factions and disagreeing over carpets. And then some of these things... <laughs> are going to be more characteristic of those who are like, oh, those are those people who are outside of the church, right? This is maybe some sexual sin, and this is immorality. Oh, and they drink a lot, and so there's drunkenness there. And I think one of the things that comes through in this list is this fact that God does not make the same kinds of distinctions that we do. Often, as a group of Christians in our culture, right, we like to look at other, we have this list of like, these are acceptable sins, and these are unacceptable ones. And so if you sin in this way, in this way, in this way, you know, that's, that's real bad. Me, uh, I can be in church and I can have these sins and that's fine. Right? And Paul doesn't draw anything like that distinction. This list, in lumping it all together, kind of communicates. It undermines our tendency to treat people differently, right? As we follow after Jesus, as the church, we need to stop being so quick to focus on and to blame and to shun other people for those, their sins and their particular struggles as though they're worse than maybe the ones that are a little bit more socially acceptable. You know, because, you know, jealousy and lying, you know, you can't really see that as much. Okay, so let's, uh, let's begin to wrap this up. What we've been talking about, I think, is highlighted. So in Luke 6.45, Jesus will say this, right? He says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so this is what Paul has been doing. He's been outlining the evil things that come out of a heart that walks in the flesh. And he says, These things, these evils, they are real. These evils, they are destructive. We reap what we sow. If we persist in doing these things, we will sow discord. We will reap destruction. Then the other side of this, right? But when we walk in the Spirit, we avoid the destruction inherent in these attitudes and these actions. So the last thing that I want to communicate here 
not the last thing, but the last thing I want to communicate here is um, this, I, I, do, I don't want people to leave with this like moralistic idea of, well, I guess we should just do better, right? Like, I guess I should just change because that isn't the primary message of scripture. The message of scripture is primarily God saying, let me help you. Let me uproot that division. Let me uproot that conflict. Let me in. Right? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Does it mean just try harder? And Paul's answer is no. To walk in the Spirit means invite and call on the person of Jesus with this prayer of, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And when we do that, Scripture says that two things happen. So one, we're connected with the source of eternal life itself or himself. Our future becomes secure. And secondly, but no less importantly, as we walk in the Spirit, as we're connected, as we unite with God, in that moment, God himself begins to transform our hearts by his Spirit. He begins to transform the very desires themselves and to make us more like him. So when we reach this place of seeing our brokenness and seeing our evil and seeing our participation in the brokenness of the world, and in that moment as we step outside of it, the problem becomes there's something wrong in me and it's not just those people and it's not just those groups, and we step out and we call on him saying, Jesus, please save us. Jesus, please give us life. When instead of saying, thank you for not making me a sinner like this group. Thank you for not making me a sinner like them. And instead of that, we pray this prayer of Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. When we do this, scripture says that God hears. God embraces us. God sends his spirit into our hearts. And that spirit does what is promised in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And uh, you guys can go on from here to read. In the next few verses, Paul's going to talk about some of the fruit that grows out of that place. Let me just pray quickly. Um, Jesus, we need you. And we realize without you, we have division, discord, and destruction. So Jesus, help us, we pray. Help our community, help our society, help our country. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovcchurch.ca. Thank you.